Welcome back to the New Wave Nerds. I'm your host, Brennan Sem. Joining me this week is actually not Shade. It is the uh, lauded co-host of our wildly successful um, other segment, My Father Before Me. It is Tori Sem. How are you doing today, Dad? Lauded and wildly successful. I'm, I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> well, it is our most popular segment. Oh, <laughs> that'll work. <laughs> Of our other segment, which only has one episode. I was going to say, is it your only segment <laughs> other than your main show? But uh, this week, we are going to be discussing Andor. Well, and we had to because for all of the um, <laughs> times that I said any kind of references to Star Wars in any of our uh, My Father Before Me episodes, I, 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 I complained about the fact that you hadn't watched Andor yet. <laughs> yes. Yes, and I figured it made sense to do it now since uh, Shade hasn't seen it, <laughs> and uh, he's not here. So there we go. So uh, Andor obviously follows the uh, the origin story of the pretty popular character from the Rogue One movie, um, Cassian Andor. So, Dad, what non-spoiler review, what did you think of the show? Oh, this is what I want Star Wars to be now. I think that this is... Uh well, and, and I mentioned it to you. This isn't um, what we think of. I mean, if we compare this to a show recently, a Star Wars show recently with Obi-Wan. Mm. Obi-Wan is the, or Kenobi, I guess, the title. But it is what Star Wars was. And this is now a uh, prestige television. You right. Know, I, I, I compare this to Breaking Bad or, you know, any of those other shows, even going back to Sopranos or something like that, where we're talking about a drama that just happens to be set in Star Wars. Right. And and I really dug it. I mean, this is like I said, this is what I I can't wait for the second season. It immediately made me want to go back and watch Rogue One. Um, I think this is a great way of doing television. I'm not going to say that I didn't like Kenobi. I did like Kenobi, and I do like all the stuff that Filoni's doing and uh, Mandalorian. You know, that's a different kind of Star Wars, but this it, this scratches that uh, that prestige television itch. And I keep telling everybody that this is the one to watch if you're if you're into that kind of thing. For yeah. sure, yeah. It was it was a really fun departure from like the standard just sort of Jedi Sith conflict that we kind of just always focus on Definitely. everything else you know and i and i i gotta admit that i worried you know here is now granted rogue one was a good movie mm-hmm. and you know we've talked about it at the time at the time there was too much outside of the movie that made uh you know the way i thought about rogue one um not quite mesh up. And since since then, I've, I've definitely, it's become one of my more favorite Star Wars movies. But that being said, when they announced that they were doing an Andor series, I'm, I at the time, I was thinking to myself, why are we wasting time on a character that we know what happened to him? Right. Um, you know, and why, why are we taking the time to do that? And, um, you know, non-spoilery, this isn't just about Andor. This is... Um, this this series was or this this season at least of this series was definitely more along the you know the inklings of how a universe can be the way it is right, right for sure yeah and it was it was super fun and i mean yeah we discussed this uh on the star wars holiday uh holiday special episode <laughs> um that it was not prestige television by the way <laughs> definitely not there's a, a wide gap um but we talked about how it was cool to see that the sort of inklings of what it what life would have been like under this oppressive regime that would spawn this sort of rebellion. And this, they really sort of went pretty hard into that. And I haven't recently, I know, I think you have, I haven't recently gone back and, and watched Rebels or anything like that. But again, that's an animated, you know, so that's a different take on it probably. Right. Um, from what I remember of it, you know, obviously they... And like all the animated shows, we've discussed it before with Star Wars that the later seasons always seem to get a little bit more on the those hard topics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this was a different way, different take on that, different uh, different view of the ground level that I really liked. Right. Yeah. Um, I gave it a nine. I loved it. I don't know what what were you thought. What were your thoughts? Oh, I don't. I don't know if I do numbers or not. I, I'm gonna call. <laughs> I'm gonna call it at least a nine. Yeah. It's definitely like I said. I mean, it's one that um, if if I'm talking to anybody and I and we get on the topic of shows we're watching, I ask them, "Have you seen Andor? Watch Andor, right?" I've been trying to talk Dad into it. Uh, Grandpa, he uh, 
this is his kind of show, but he's got his other shows that he's been watching, so he hasn't got around to it. I'm looking forward to him watching it, but I've it's one of those that every time I'm hanging out, I'll ask him if he's seen it yet, you know, because it is that kind of show. I think it's a it's a great show. Um, again, just just in all the topics it covers and the way it does, it's a perfect show. So. Right. So. All right. At this point, then, I think we'll move on to the the more we'll more discuss the actual story. So we're going to start talking spoilers here. So this is your warning for the spoilers. Um, you mentioned Rebels, and I almost said this earlier, <laughs> but I decided to wait until now. When I texted you, I was like, uh, Mon Mothma's here? Because <laughs> I had thought that this was after Rebels, because in the... Um, you know, on Disney Plus, they have their Star Wars and Timeline Order. This is after Rebels in the list. So I thought it was after it, but it actually takes place at the same time as the first and second season of Rebels. Okay. So they both take place in the year five uh, before the Battle of Yavin. I was going to say, I've, I'd, I've heard the words, I've heard the number five years before Rogue One. So. Right. And so then, um, obviously, in this show... We'll, we'll discuss in more depth later, but there's the whole Mon Mothma thing. And that's why I was confused, because in Rebels, uh, in season three, at the end of season three is when she, like, defects from the Empire, basically. Okay. And, and the Ghost Squadron or whatever has to save her and whatever. So, the timeline. <laughs> uh, Rebels, seasons one and two, and Andor, season one, are the year five before the Battle of Yavin. Uh, Rebels 3 and most of Rebels 4 is 2 before the Battle of Yavin. Um, and then obviously, like, the last couple scenes from the season finale are after Jedi. But right. And then obviously Rogue One takes place hours before A New Hope. I was going to say, <laughs> which, yeah, that's right there. But, uh, which I had forgotten until the second viewing. I oh, kept thinking yeah. it was, like, weeks before or whatever. And that's the one thing, you know, that, you know, me coming from the, the lifelong Star Wars... Um, that's the thing about Rogue One that I remembered the most was that it ended on that scene. In fact, I didn't even have any problem with the uh, the CGI of Princess Leia just because, you know, in my head, I just it, that made that connection. And that was pretty cool. To me, yeah. Right? And even, you know, even now, like I said, like I mentioned um, earlier before we started recording, I, I just watched uh, Rogue One again after rewatching the last couple episodes of Andor and um yeah, I mean it's it that's a great way of ending it even though now I've got a much bigger appreciation for the rest of Rogue One than I did when I first watched it. Right, for sure. I think it's definitely one of those um it, it, for anybody listening to this who hasn't gone back and rewatched it, I think it's worth it. Uh without all the stuff. And granted, you know, maybe I maybe I'm more into the uh you know, the meta of some of these shows like I mentioned before. Rogue One is one where I knew about all the reshoots and the rewrites and stuff. And I had that stuck in my head when I watched it the first time, but watching it after this series, it, it fixed it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is. It's a really cool, it's, it's really surprisingly fun to go straight from Andor directly into Rogue One, directly into New Hope because they take place. I mean, granted, you know, Andor is a couple years before Rogue One, but the stories like flow so smoothly that it's fun to watch that whole thing just in a sequence. And what, you know, maybe we'll, we'll save this for uh, towards the end of our discussion here, but, but I'm curious about the, the progression of the next season of Andor yes. into Rogue One and stuff. I, I have some thoughts, <laughs> but well, so th for this season though, like I mentioned before, and I think I might've mentioned this even before you watched it, it's not the same type of show, Right. And I had heard on another podcast, some interviews with that Tony Gilroy who uh, created it, that they specifically went at this series from the standpoint of these are three episode arcs. And you can really see that, right? You've got your heists episodes. You've got, well, you've got your introductory episodes and you've got the heist. Then you've got the uh, prison and then you've got the rebellion. Right. Right. And it, now I know that and there's uh, somewhere out there, Tony Gilroy has, has said in an interview specifically which ones are grouped together and which ones are just kind of a couple things. But, you know, we've talked before in the past how some of those shows um, feel like they're getting filler episodes. Right. Well, more shows did it this way. And again, we, we think of, you know, you and I coming from the comic background, think of the four episode four four issue arc. Of comics, you know, if more of these shows did that kind of thing, where they kind of took the stories and and did that, I think it would feel a little bit better. 
Yeah, know? for sure. The the story would it would certainly flow much better, and that would solve a lot of the issues that we've. You know, well, I mean, guess we haven't talked about it on the pod, but you and I have discussed over and over again. Um, but I did like that this show. I I thought the before go before watching it, I thought that the whole show was going to be about you know Andor joining the rebellion, but they did it in such a way that it was like the season is more about Andor, and then obviously at the end, it's when he joins the rebellion. And yeah, it, it felt more like this is a story of this person just being himself rather than this person in relation to this thing that we know from a new hope. Yeah. And it's not to me and I don't know, you know, I think of solo, right. And I, we've talked about this before solo falls into the trap of, Oh, and this is how he got his gun. And this is how he got Millennium Falcon, which granted we wanted to see that because we heard right. that story, but that's, you know, it, it's it, it, or, um, Indiana Jones, the last crusade. This is how he got the scar on his cheek. This is where he gets his whip. This is where he gets his hat. <laughs> Right. It happened all in the course of an hour. Yeah. You know, everything we know about Indiana happened in that hour. Um, So I was a little nervous about that, but this is different. And it's like at the end, it's like you're thinking to yourself, well, how could he not join the rebellion? Right. After all this crap. I mean, throughout the entire series, you know, the the ISB is saying, well, we got to find Andor and he's doing this and he's doing this. Well, Andor's not doing any of that the entire series, <laughs> yeah, right? for sure. He's involved in a heist because he has to be, because he needed to get off the planet and then he just, just, you know, he's doing it as payment kind of thing. He's in, and then he's vacationing and he gets imprisoned because, you know, maybe I'm, I'm just running through the series, but then he gets imprisoned just because of his heist. <laughs> Yeah. The, the um, you know, it goes from six months, you know, a little bit ago would have been six months. Now it's six years. Right. And so then he gets and he starts this escape. But even so, the best part about it, I think, and, and it's a it's through lines throughout the whole thing. It's not Andor. It is, you know, he convinces uh, what's his name? Um, well, uh, Caesar Smeagol. Oh, uh, uh, Andy Circus. <laughs> Andy Circus. What's the Kona, Conal, Conal Loy, something like Kino that. Kino Loy. Kino Loy. Where's he at? He convinces him, you know, he's basically the leader of the escape, right? Yeah. You know, and then we talk about the, the, um, the penultimate and the, and the finale. Andor is not involved in that big rebellion at all. He's just getting his, uh, Bix out of prison or whatever. I loved her. Yeah. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> and it's like, but he's not involved in that at all. I mean, he's not in the rebellion until the last thing. Kill yeah. me or take me in. And now he's in the rebellion. <laughs> yeah. But throughout the entire series, it's all this stuff, you know. And granted, some of it is because of stuff he did. Because some of it, you know, the reason he got, you know, the, in prison is because they did the heist. But that heist would have gone down whether he was there or not. No. Right. Jury's out whether they would have made it or not. But. Well, and he didn't even get imprisoned really directly because of the heist, right? Because he's you're right, he's vacationing. He was just existing. Like, and yeah. somebody else was running by, and because he happened to be in the general area, they picked him up. Yeah. It's a, like a great... It's they, they made it so that it's all just, you're right, a bunch of circumstances that he's sort of indirectly involved with. But the way that they wrote it, it didn't feel like it felt natural. Like yeah. it didn't feel like it was a forced circumstance. They were putting him in this situation. Yeah, it was great. I, you know, the show, and, and not even for Andor, but even for the stuff. I mean, you got a good indication, especially in the first few episodes with those meetings in ISB mm. with. Um, and now I can't remember who the the main guy was. He was he was in something else. The old guy who's in charge of ISB. Um, party gas. Yeah. I can't remember, yeah, I, I can't remember where, you know, he's one of those guys you've seen in some of our other, uh, shows that oh, we've we watched. Anton Lesser. Yeah. Um, but he, um, you know, you see right there how the rebellion, oh, Game of Thrones, of course. Yeah. Kyburn. He was Kyburn in Game of Thrones. That's why he looks so familiar. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't think I, of that I, I knew that that's a, oh, that's that guy. Um, but you can see why the rebellion would work. Because ISB can't work together, right. right? And you can see, and and you can see the downfall of the empire is because everybody's trying to power grab their way up, you know, and stuff like that, and and not sharing information. And that, I mean, it, the series was an excellent indicator of why one why the rebellion happened, and two why it worked. Yeah, right. Yeah, or or how how this big overarching uh, 
uh, Imperial army couldn't control this yeah. place. How know? the rebellion was allowed to flourish and get to the point where they could destroy the whole Death Star. Because when you really think about that, that is insane. Oh, that yeah. just like this ragtag group of people. Can you imagine <laughs> for a second if it's like the U.S. military? <laughs> They're like attacking Fort Knox and they right. managed to destroy the whole thing. Well, okay. So uh, so the reason we're able to do that is because uh, we were able to sneak into Scarif, you know, and uh, I guess we could look at it. You know, we were able to get in and finally found Bin Laden. I don't know. You know, there's, <laughs> there's something there, I suppose, yeah. but... Uh, speaking of Scarif, I loved, I just, I love, I don't know who's making sure that they do all this, if it's really Dave Filoni, if there's just like other people, but the way that they intertwine everything is so cool. I just love it. Like the, the connections are insane. And I like, they even mention in, uh, one of the ISB council meetings, the Spartagas, Partagas guy, not Spartagas, <laughs> oh, Kyburn, he's like, and it's like at the end of the scene and he's just offhandedly like, hey, and you el elaborate on this reinforcement. And he's like, oh, yeah, we need to send more troops to Scarif. Mm. We're having a lot of trade there. Mm. There's like the hyperspace lanes are being really active. Oh, because you're building the Death Star. Right. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. That's a good um, point. Yeah. I mean, some of the, I, like I say, it, it, the the attention to detail, the the um, all the little bits, everybody right. working together, and the way that it all worked out. It, like I say, it's perfect. The way it, the way yeah. that it all culminated into this thing, you know. And you think about, you can just see it in that final episode. And again, maybe we're jumping around too much. <laughs> well, in the final episode, when she is, um, you know, they're projecting her thing, you know, and you can just see the crowd starting to get amped up, and and to the point, and then you see the um, the uh, Imperials standing around there. I don't know. It's just a perfect way of showing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the show does, it does such a great job, which I think it, obviously this is, you know, a hallmark of prestige drama really is that it like, it does such a good job of like, so slowly raising the temperature that you don't even realize it's happening. Oh yeah. Like I noticed this when I was watching the Sopranos is obviously in the beginning, you know, he's just like a capo. And then at the end, he's basically the boss and he's like communicating with New York. It's like how you really look back and you think, it has changed so much and you don't even notice along the way, mm -hmm. but like the sentiment about the empire and like in the beginning, everybody's sort of just like, uh, well, in the beginning, I guess the empire isn't even involved on that planet. Right. I mean, they don't even really show up a whole lot. And, and it's, it's one of those things. And I think in the, in the Marva speech or whatever, she's kind of talking about how, yeah, they, they weren't here and now they're here and now they're taking, you know, the, the presence just builds up. And like you say, that's how, they're real. I think they're really using that as the indicator for this is how it's going all across the galaxy. For sure, and this yeah. is why the rebellion actually eventually happens. Now, the great thing about this though is the rebellion's not great right now either. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, you've got um, uh, Skarsgård, you know, doing his own thing. You've got uh, Mon Mothma maybe funneling some money to him, but she doesn't know everything that's going on, and she's doing her own thing, trying to build things up. And obviously, I, I assume that there's she's got some connections with. Uh, um, Leia's dad, um, Bale, Bale Organa, yeah, you know, and that sort of thing. But beyond that, it, it's kind of interesting how all these different. And then you got Saw Guerrera, you know. I'm gonna come back to him later. <laughs> the, everybody's doing their own thing, and again, it's one of those things. It's like, well, how could this ever do anything? Because everybody was so separated, and the, even um, it, I love the parts where. Uh, they were doing the uh, the spy craft and stuff, and um, the uh, and again, I just recently I, I rewatched eleven and twelve episode eleven and twelve just to talk about it again. But when um, I can't remember anybody's name, the blonde lady from the heist shows up at the shop. Vel, and there you go. And uh, the assistant is there, and she's like, you know, sit, receiving a message is just as dangerous as sending one, you know, and, and there's all this stuff going on. Yeah. It's you know? so cool. And then the, the best part, and, and I didn't even catch it at first, but you, you're thinking about it when Mon Mothma has to cover up her funds and the way she's doing it is by getting her husband, making the driver think her husband's gambling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just awesome. You know? Yeah. It is so cool. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's great. Um, well, I was like, oh, that's another, we're talking about, you mentioned Rebels earlier. 
there's so many connections between these two shows because they take place at the same time. Uh, well, partially. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously in the first two seasons of Rebels, there is no real larger rebellion. The only hint you have is, uh, you know, there's the secret meetings with Fulcrum who would turn out to be Ahsoka. And they're sort of like, they're just individual cells. But then towards the end, um, in season three, which would be when Mon Mothma, you know, defects from the Empire, which I'm almost certain is going to be Andor season two. uh, (laughs) That's when they really start to come together. And I think it's really cool. Um, You mentioned Saw Gerrera. Mm. And that... I don't really like Saw. <laughs> I didn't like Saw in any other shows except for this. In this, he was cool because one, I think the performance by Forrest Whitaker was actually good. Oh yeah. Um, whereas in all the other ones, I felt like it wasn't exactly great. But um, even apart from that, and this is again, partly meta knowledge and just because I just watched Rebels, but um, when Luthen first goes to see Saw and they're talking about. Um, What's it called? The Spell House Raid. That what is? What was it? Just a military base? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But he's trying I to get Saw talking about it. Yeah, he's trying to get Saw to join Anto Krieger, mm-hmm. the other uh, rebellion guy. At the end of that scene, him and Luthen, uh, Saw and Luthen are talking, and then Luthen says something, and then Saw goes, "Let's call it what it is. It's war." And that's the first time anybody refers to it like that. And that. Later in uh, Rebels, either season three or four, it's season four. In Rebels season four, they're at Yavin 4 on the base. And there's um, like uh, Saw infiltrates or he has a droid infiltrate the base and he puts forward a projection. And the, the gist of his message is Mon Mothma, you need to do a little bit more because this is a war and you haven't accepted it yet. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. So that builds it up. Yeah. I tell you what. So I, and I was watching, um, like I said, we, I rewatched rogue one after this and I remember rogue one and thinking, okay, saw is he's a paranoid. He's nuts. Right. And that's the way he was told to play in rogue one for Mm -hmm. obvious reasons. The best part about that is it's the second time when Luthan and saw are talking and you see that happening yeah. because he's sitting there and he's talking to me. He's like, well, maybe you got somebody in or maybe you're ISB or maybe you got somebody. And, and Luther at, at the best scene, this is a, if he gets Emmy nominations, which I think, you know, there's, there's talk of it, at least on some other podcasts they're talking about. It. I think this is the scene that does it because Luther is like, well, it's tubes over here, you know, and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that is great because you can see that saw is at that point, that's when all this, and I don't know how much they do it in uh, Rebels or stuff, but to me, that's where Luthen broke him, you know, and he, and that's why in Rogue One he's just freaking out about yeah. Jin showing up, and and you know the he does the thing with the mind reading alien <laughs> on the, you know, and stuff because he's so paranoid about everything, and I think that that to me it feels like that's where it starts, oh, just yeah. because <laughs> that he's doing that, and that was just. I remember telling you um, before you got to your point where you're watching it. I said, "When that—that's the scene that just killed it for me. That was amazing. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's perfect so acting from those two people. And of course, you know, of course, Forrest Whitaker. I think he is he winner or nominee at least Academy Award. I think winner. I think yeah. you're right. You know, I mean, so obviously he's got his acting chops. You know, yeah. stuff. But like you say, to this point, that character seemed off. But I think this made him." You know, it made it perfect. So Yeah, it was super cool. And I, I think you're right. I guess, no, because it probably would be after this. Because that scene, there's a, an episode in Rebels that sort of features Saw and they go back to Geonosis. And there's a whole thing where they're trying to figure out what's happening. And Saw is like, <laughs> that he's, at, at, he's like, we need to figure out what happened. He's like all geared up and he's like willing to kill the the last Geonosian and just like completely finish this genocide and he's like we need to know what happened and he's like super paranoid and crazy and then that's obviously when um that is actually where we get the beginning of the kyber crystals because they're transporting kyber crystals to scarif and they sort of hijack a thing um and then that's where they get the information that leads them further you know, believing this guy in Rogue One. Well, and that's in Rogue One. That's why he's on Jedha, right? Because that's where they're getting the Kyber crystals, yeah. and he's there trying to figure that out, right? I think that's what's going on there. So, yeah, I don't like. I say it's just amazing that that 
the way they they did all that and you know i don't know i mean i don't know what kind of connection uh feloni or anybody had with this i mean it, it obviously he's on his name's probably on it somewhere but tony gilroy doing it it felt like he's doing his own star wars show but yet they're still making other star wars stuff work right which yeah i think is awesome so yeah it's cool because it, it's so like not self-contained but like you're right it's so focused it yet adds context to all these other things that are happening on going on at the same time in the universe it's so cool i think you know again at the time that i was watching it and i don't know if i was always in the right uh interest space but at the time i thought the first couple episodes of the heist part were i thought well this is slow right here's two episodes and our main character is sitting around in a camp you know and and that kind of thing but i think that again the way that all it's showing all the different aspects of the rebellion because you've got the guy who's there turns out he's only there for money and he's trying you know at the end he tries to cheat everyone and steal it and take off anyways right then you got the guy who's recording his manifesto there, you know, he's <laughs> yeah. the other side of the spectrum of everything. And then the leader and the, and the other lady, um, her girlfriend that are, um, you know, working on all this stuff, working there. You can tell they're working more under Luthen than the other, the rest of them. Right. And that kind of thing. But I don't know. I just, I, I can't wait to go back and rewatch the series again. I probably will. I'll probably wait till second season comes out and, and do a binge before season two, but. I think that that all worked out, even though, like I say, at the time, I thought to myself, okay, what what are we doing here? And that was because the first few episodes, I'm still thinking this is just, this is a, a different kind of show, you know, a different kind of Star Wars. But it, it, it I think it takes a few episodes, but once you're in there, it, it's worth it. I agree. At the beginning, I was like... Well, I, I was because I was sitting at work when I was when I was watching it, and I was like, probably shouldn't put that out on the air. Uh, <laughs> I was sitting there, and I was like, this is good, you know, but I don't know if it's really worth all the hype it's getting. Mm-hmm. And, but but the whole time I was thinking, well, maybe that's partially just because everybody's been hyping it up to me. But it it changed when this lady came in, Dedra, the the female ISB agent, which oh, she yeah. started getting involved because. That's when they started adding like the the intrigue and the ISB and stuff, and that's I was like, oh, this is this is something that we've never seen before. The ISB doing all their stuff because they they'd only re- like the only thing other thing we've really seen them in is Rebels, and even that was we just saw an individual agent. You know, right. we never saw the sort of behind the scenes war gaming, and that was really cool to see. Well, and it's you can see that it is you know. And, and here's the thing is we know that she's seeing a pattern here of the rebellion, even though because it's all siloed, she can't even get access to the information on what was stolen or whatever that thing was at the beginning of the series that was right. stolen was like stolen from her sector or whatever. Right. But she couldn't get any more information on it because they're all separated out. But you, you know, as watchers, we know she's the one putting all this rebellion together, even though she still thinks it's all Cassian doing it. You know, I, I still think she thinks that, but, um, you know, she was trying to get information from, uh, Bix about Krieger, mm-hmm. Krieg, Krieger. I think Krieger. Yeah. And, and stuff and that kind of thing, thinking that maybe he was the one that was her contact and stuff. So, I mean, she's trying to put it together, but it is interesting that here's one ISB person who is starting to see the pattern that there is a rebellion. But again, because of it's the empire and the way it is, she's not getting anywhere with it. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, you know, and then of course the, uh, the dude who has to go live with his mom for a while. I hate that guy. (laughs) Uh, His story arc was the dumbest. Well, I don't think he had an arc. Yeah. I think he, he was the same guy from beginning to end. Yeah. Right. He's still the same guy who had to tighten up his uniform a little bit or raise his collar <laughs> slightly just to be a little uh, over the top. But, it, you know, it's it's great how um, the showrunner did that with him and made him be that character, yeah, even yeah. though he didn't have anything to do with anything. Right. He kind of triggered a little bit on Andor. And, you know, when he was when they finally found out it was him and, and the uh, Dedra came in and was talking to him. You know, and he's he thinks there's more going. He thinks he's more involved than he is, even though to her <laughs> yeah. he's just another guy she questioned, you know, and stuff. But 
I don't know. It's it's pretty cool. Now at the end, you know, he saves her and stuff. So yeah, I'm curious how that's gonna go. But that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna try to sugarcoat that. I thought that was dumb. Um, I liked. I I thought it was a cool thing in the beginning. I was like, oh, this could actually be an interesting character. It's like a cool. It's a cool sort of different aspect of this still same oppressive thing because he's not related to the empire he's a corpo right? right he's part of the corporate machine and he's still involved in like the security thing and he obviously you know hates the rebels and he's cool with the empire but he's not involved so it was cool to see that sort of same aspect where it's like yeah the empire can't be everywhere the empire can't be everywhere at the same time. They would need to sort of like contract these people to do this. Right. Yeah. You get the contract. But it's, I still, I mean, it's, it's fun that, I mean, he thinks he's in the empire. He, <laughs> he thinks that, you know, because he's con, you know, I, I know it, that's that character, right? He's yeah. beat down by his mom, you know, <laughs> and it was great when, when she, uh, when he's talking to that, uh, it was episode 11. Like I said, I just rewatched it. And the the guy that he deals with at the beginning calls him, and they're trying they're trying <laughs> yeah. to communicate that Andor will show up for the funeral, maybe or something. And, and his mom says, "You know, I can't remember the exact wording. The mystery of your your previous uh, failures have been solved, or something like that." It's because she knows this is how he operates, you yeah. Know, and stuff. But it's just kind of fun uh, that he's beat down by her, you know. Uh, um, but it, it's uh, he definitely thinks he's in the Empire. Right. Because he thinks he's this, he's got the tight uniform. He's got the race call. You know, that's something they keep pointing out or why you wearing that color or why you got it. You know, did you do this, you know, and stuff, but it's, it's kind of fun to see that. And, and in my head, if this were a uh, traditional star Wars show, I was predicting him to do the thing in rebels. There's the guy in rebels and I don't remember him who started out as um, the guy looking for Ezra, hmm. and then he ends up becoming part of the rebellion. Yeah, right? that's the so. ISP. In my thought, I was thinking that he, maybe this was that character, but they're not doing that with him. Oh, he's yeah. obviously gonna, he's got a downfall or something, you know, coming up in the next season or something. I don't, you know, I don't know, but um, I thought at the beginning of this, you know, I thought, oh, here's a guy who's looking for Andor, and then he's gonna become part of the team, you know. And <laughs> yeah. stuff. But no, they, he's definitely not doing that now. I don't think. Yeah, it was yeah, it was such a cool thing. Um, what was I just gonna say? Oh, I I want to talk a little bit more about Stellan Skarsgård, Luthen, because he was awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, he was so cool, and um, I would love to see a show that's just him and uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, Mon Mothma, and it's just them doing like court intrigue, like them trying to figure like. It's literally just them trying to figure out how to work the rebellion and fund it, but it's mostly focused on like Mon Mothma and him doing this sort of shady backroom deals in the Imperial Senate. I think that would be awesome. I gotta think. I gotta think that eventually the rebellion is going to coalesce a little bit because, like you say, the point about I mean the the first few or after the heist goes down, Mon Mothma asks him specifically, so that wasn't me. You know, I mean that's it's the they're so separate. Nobody knows who's doing what. Right. Right. And I got to think that eventually that's got, that's got to coalesce a little bit into a rebellion. And I hope that that's what we get. Mm. Right. I hope it's not one of them things where, you know, I could see some dramatic, dra- some drama there where she has to throw him under the bus or something like that. That'd be right? pretty cool. You know, or the other way around. Maybe that's why she has to defect. We don't know. You know, you're you're talking about the defection, and, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen it recently, but maybe they they take it that direction where he has to throw her under the bus or something. Right. But. Another, sorry, a really quick, another um, connection to rebels, which I just remembered. <laughs> There's so many. It's so I I love it. It's awesome. Did you notice like at least once <laughs> once an episode, Mon Mothma had to mention like the something going on with the Gormans. She was. <laughs> Well, at least like once an episode, she mentioned something about going on with the, she has to name drop the Gormans, which I don't know exactly what they are, but like a couple times she talks about the Empire, talking about the Empire's mistreating them. At one point they're talking about how the Empire's cut off the, all their hyperspace lanes. Well, in Rebels, the impetus for her to really defect from the Empire is because the the Empire massacres the Gormans. Mm. They go down there and they kill them all. And in her speech, she's like, 
this is this was bad. Uh, <laughs> this is what I'm I'm leaving. I've given right. up my seat. I am gonna put my whole effort into the rebellion. So they're really building that up. Well, there's yeah. So I mean, they're obviously, and that's the thing we talk about this not being the traditional Star Wars. It's not Rebels. It's a different thing. Well, Rebels was an animated, you know, still younger audience based. Yeah. I'm sure, but they definitely are are taking the seriousness out of it and using that in the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that she has to do all these things, and then of course she's at the end. You know, there's hints that she's trying to get her uh, daughter in the betrothal business or whatever. You know, which I I guess must be a tradition of their culture or something. I think that's yeah. what I'm gathering because her daughter was going back into the. I look at it as her her daughter's going back into religion or something. Yeah, going back into the old ways or whatever their culture is when she's having those meetings with all the other kids and that kind of thing. So. And she's just using that then because now she can get at that money guy, mm-hmm. you know, in that way. And again, I mean, it, it's obviously not a win for her. She doesn't, she's not happy about it. She's talking about it the whole time. I thought that when she was trying to throw her husband over the, under the bus with um, the gambling thing, that that was her way of not having to do that. But then they ended up showing that at the end anyway. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that leads me to believe that the next season, something's going to happen to her daughter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some bad's going to happen. Well, her <laughs> husband's got to go. Obviously, she's got to she's gotta burn him somehow. That guy sucks, yeah. <laughs> Perrin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just love the aspect of her knowing that her driver is a spy. Yeah, you know, sure. And knowing even though they put up the thing that he's listening, you know, and, and it's even in the very first episode. She knows everything about her driver because she has to. She has to know who this spy is that's wandering around with her. Yeah. You know? And I, I liked when um, the other Shandrillin, like from her past, uh, the banker, Tay, Tay Colma, Tay, something like that. Yeah. Um, when he, when they first start talking and she's like, hey, I need to, you know, figure some money stuff out. And she's like, don't tell Perrin. Don't tell my husband. He can't know. He's not to be trusted. I was like, oh, that's that's a cool aspect that like normally when you see like relationships like that in TV shows or stuff like that, they're always the husband and wife are always super close and really well. Think House Cards. Yeah. Um, but like how I like how in this she was like, nah, he's he's he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely on her own, and you got to feel that with her too, you know, and stuff. And even then. We find out that it's her, what, sister or whatever who's working with Luthen. Yeah. But she doesn't know everything that's going on there. She just knows something's going on there, you know, and stuff. So she's definitely, you got to feel that she is sitting there on her own all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, I like I like how they go out of their way to make it look like that. Because her daughter, well, teenage daughter, there's obviously some issues there. They 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 don't get along very well right now. His her husband is mean to her. Like she doesn't interact with anybody. Mm-hmm. They even go so far as like her whole apartment is like just empty, which obviously is part of like the empire's thing. Like she even says like, yeah, we can't redecorate, right? <laughs> but it's like the every aspect of her every scene with her is always like she is alone, and I thought that was cool. She's alone and she has to control everything. Yeah. Right. Even probably the way she has to dress is either to put on airs for these people or for the empire, you know, just to keep up that thing, you know, going and shopping at this rare thing, you know, place, you know, they have to distract the guard so she can go talk to Luther or distract the driver, you know, and stuff, which is fun. But, you know, she has to make it look like that. You know, it, I don't know. It's just, it is awesome the way they played that all out and the way they made it a, that part of it, that espionage, that that intrigue or whatever that you're talking about. So I got to say, I think that, you know, like I say, that it is really interesting how, again, I go back to they took that main character and it's not about him as much. I am kind of curious that, that there's a couple things that um, didn't get answered that I thought would, like his sister. You know, they opened the se- the series. He's at a brothel asking about his sister. Mm-hmm. Never brings up her sister ever again. Yeah. Right? And that's the one thing that I'm kind of confused about, you know, and that, that whole aspect of things, you know? So, yeah. That's, yes, I don't know what's going on with that either. Because, well, in the beginning, when they first said it, the way that he said it, I was like, he doesn't have a sister. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, nah, he's just, he's doing, well, because I guess 
part part of that was partially because I was still thinking like yeah, this like is he's gonna, spying or something. Yeah, I was thinking he's probably in some way related to rebellion. But I was like, the way that he said that, I was like, you don't have a sister, right? <laughs> but then, yeah, they didn't mention it. I think is it. I think Marva at some point though goes and stop looking for your sister. Everybody who was on that planet is dead. But I don't know if I believe her. <laughs> and I and that's the thing, you know. I and I like I said, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and and one of the thing you wonder about is what happened. You know, they say it was a mining accident or something like that, but then it's, um, you know, we find out in um, uh, Rogue One that Jedha is a mining accident, not them testing out the Death Star later. Right. right? Yeah. And that kind of thing. So you got to wonder whether that it's the same kind of thing, which then means are they, you know, does he have some kind of idea that they, that those kids, all those other kids that he was running around with in those flashback scenes, you know, are they captured somewhere or something like that? Right, Obviously yeah. he thinks so. He, he's looking around for him. So, but again, that's, the th- that was the one, that whole thing. They spent a lot of time with the flashback, which you got to know why he's with Marva, I guess. Sure. In some way. And you got to know why when they're looking for, and I can't even remember it, when they're looking for his race of people, they're, they're announcing that, that it's a thing. They're all gone. So why are they looking for, you know, and everybody knows it's Cassian right off the bat because he's the only one, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. And like he, he even said, Marva even says, you know, who have you told that you're this, you know, and, and I can't even remember what it was, but, you know, so obviously that's why they have to do that to break that out and show that he is this person. But I don't know. I, I suppose that was the one plot thread that I wish we would have got something on. Yeah. A little bit more, even if it is, you know, again, he's still looking for his sister somehow. But that's really, uh, to me, I was a little nervous. And when I think about it, I almost think about it as the only reason that happened was so that we could put him on another planet where he had to accidentally kill someone. And then if that's the case, I I don't necessarily like that. Right. I, I, I want that plot thread to keep going for some reason other than this was just a plot point to get him here to kill somebody. Right. Yeah. If, if the point is to get it so that he does the accidental killing thing, what you could have just done is he's on another planet and what well, could just been the same story. Maybe he's just trying to have a drink and these guys are a little bit drunk and they follow him out. And he, yeah, obvi- you know. obviously he's the kind of guy who, I mean, he talks once he got that money, he's talking about going away with Marvin, getting her out of there and living an opulent life, you know, and stuff. So obviously he likes that kind of thing. So if that's all it was, they could have easily just had him visiting the brothel for the usual reasons you visit a brothel. Sure. You know, and then it goes a little nuts, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I, that, and that's, again, maybe that's why I'm expecting more from that, which maybe that's season two, but right. Well, that's, that's a good point is maybe that would be an interesting way to sort of, cause I, I heard that season two is going to lead directly. It's supposed to lead directly into rogue one, but I don't know if, like leading directly into it means like the end towards the end of season two or maybe all of season two is going to be him looking for Saw Gerrera, which is obviously how he meets Jin in Rogue One. Or if it just means like, like there's a time gap, but like the stories are connected. Um, And that's where, you know, when we talked about it earlier, we talk about what season two is. That's the one thing I'm a little nervous about because when we're his arc in Rogue One is that he's a rebel assassin and then because he meets Jin, he decides to, he doesn't like that. And, you know, and, and then he decides to do something good just because he's done so much bad. Mm-hmm. That leads me to believe that everything in season two is just going to be him doing bad things. Right. So I don't know. They can't necessarily take it from, unless the, unless the Rogue One at the beginning of Rogue One where he kills that guy. Right off the bat, right, which was all, which is how we knew it was a different kind of Star Wars movie then. Yeah. Um, you know, in, unless that is him falling back into it, maybe you know, maybe season two is he he is conflicted about all the dirty stuff that Luthen's having him doing or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm obviously I'm not I'm not worried about. It. I think they're going to do great if if this oh, season sure. is any indicator. But yeah, the thing I think it that's tough because then I think the point I think if season two if you make it that he's like. Uh, maybe in the beginning, obviously, but at the end of season two, I think he's got to be pretty, like, pretty okay, <laughs> like, with doing bad stuff. Otherwise, Rogue One is kind of like, well, you know, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't hit the same. That's the thing. Season one, he had an arc, right? He started out as just a dude who's uh, maybe a screw up. It sounds like he's a screw up. He owed people money. He 
wasn't always working. He was wandering off looking for his sister. Granted, that's good. But he goes from that to joining the rebellion or doing something good, Mm -hmm. right? Even while he's doing these things, which we think he is, he's not doing it for these cool, good reasons that we think of the rebellion, right? Right. Um, He's just kind of flowing through the season. But by the end of the season, I feel like he got that arc in the same way that uh, Kino did, which that was... That was the other thing. So there's, I told you before you started watching, there's two things that just made me go, ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of them was Luthen and Saw. And the other one is the end of that episode when Kino, the whole episode is like, don't even bother. And then at the end, he says, how many are there? There's it's 12. T- it, never more than 12. And I'm like, oh, was, yeah. Yeah, that was such a cold ending. That yeah. was so good. Oh, man. That was awesome. Yeah, I did. I I did like that. I, at the beginning, I definitely didn't like that arc. I was like, "This is weird." Yeah, but also, I hate feet, and they did a lot of close up of feet. <laughs> well, it was a very foot fetish thing. It was, it was foot problems there. Yeah, but. I I hate feet, and so I was like, <sighs> every time. But the the more we got into it, it was a little. Um, I wish they'd spent a little more time, sort of building up like the conditions of the prison, yeah. because. It, it's it, it feels really fast from when Andor gets there to when everybody agrees to try and break out. It seems like so. It yeah. So obviously they they they're building again. It's that slow build that you were talking about because they're they're doing the hand gestures. They're they're mm. talking back and forth, and there's a little discussion there about something happened. That was a cool right? part. I like that. And then you get to the point where eventually the old guy dies. It has a stroke or whatever, and um. That doctor's just telling them what happened. And then that's when everybody starts realizing, well, you don't leave, right? They just shuffle you, yeah. which is cool, you know, the way they do that. And I think that, again, that, uh, the three-episode arc was perfect, right? Because it, it gave you a little bit of time. The first episode, it, it set that all up, and you're thinking, well, how long is he going to be in prison? <laughs> yeah. Second episode, he's still in prison, not doing anything. And then the third episode is the big one, you know, right. and stuff. but. Speaking of that, did you watch the end credits of episode twelve? I di- I know I did, but I it's don't a long way. To the, you got to watch a long way. I yeah, I skipped I skipped the credits, but I can't remember what it is. They show you the po- they show you the parts they're building, and they go right into the Death Star. Oh yeah, I yeah. thought that was like I was like okay, this is a little ham handed. I don't know. I love that because he's a guy who blows it up. But no. <laughs> it was a cool like the way that they were putting it together was cool. Well, but and, I was and like, that's a direct and see that's the thing. Is they're showing that, and then you remember that was the cool scene in Rogue One, too, where they're actually showing the dish oh, yeah. going into the Death Star. So, I mean, the the end credits is the dish is still being made, and then Rogue One is it's going in, and then, of course, we blow it up. Yeah, so, I hadn't put that connection together. That's cool. I don't know. I And that's when they're making it. I'm like, what are these big star things, you know, and stuff? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, is this like it? Because I, I was like, maybe it's like a shield generator. Yeah. I was like, but it's probably going to end up just being nothing. I feel like... At the time, I was definitely like, maybe these are some, but then, yeah. as the further we got on, I was like, nah, these are just like to show that they're being put to labor. But again, the whole prison was another way of showing how they can use simple reinforcement to make them work harder. You know what I mean? And make it, make people like even Kino had investment in that process, yeah. right? He had been there long enough and he thought he was leaving. But he'd been there long enough that he was encouraging these guys to work hard. And, you know, they had that. It was just interesting the way they showed that prison and then had the negative and the positive reinforcement in there to make people work harder, you know, and make them have even a little bit of ownership for what they're doing while they're in prison. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was it was a cool that scene, the the, the orientation where he's like. You play against all the other tables in the room. I play against all the other rooms on the floor. I was yeah. like, "Oh, that's such a cool like little thing." I like that makes perfect sense if you're trying to boost productivity. Yeah, and like I said, it's almost giving them. I mean, there's probably people in there, and you know, this gets into the whole prison mindset. But there's probably people in there who are getting more fulfillment out of doing that than they ever did in their lazy ass lives outside of prison. Oh, you know for what sure. I mean? And there, I, I that's why I'm you know. Like you say, it sure escalated quickly that everybody wanted to escape. I guarantee you there's probably some prisoners there who are like, well, this is okay for me. Yeah, you know, they're like, I get food. I'm, I'm on a good team. Every once in a while I get flavor in my food. You know. <laughs> yeah. um, one other thing about Rogue One 
So at this point, I kind of want to talk about season two and some yeah. more things that we think season two is going to be. I noticed right away at the beginning of actually first little sidebar, Melshi, the guy from the prison, is in Rogue One. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I <laughs> wouldn't have noticed that, but I was looking. I for didn't it. notice that until, like I said, I, I listen to other podcasts. I do, I do. You know, you know me. I listen a lot Game of Thrones podcasts a lot while Game of Thrones is going on and stuff. It's it's my thing. Um, and I was listening to some guys, and they and they pointed that out, and I'm like, oh yeah. And then I went and watched Rogue One, and even then, he's not there till like the the very end he's in the last group and that's it yeah and it's just like a and little he has a little bit of speaking lines probably just enough that he got his sag whatever credentials just enough to get a credit but yet they put him in this show which is kind of cool so yeah i like it was just one thing they were like yeah, and moshi's coming too yeah. <laughs> it was so cool but um the real thing i wanted to mention from from rogue one this time was i noticed right at the beginning of because you know the uh, the opening scene is what we just talked about earlier, and or shooting that guy in the back. That whole scene, well, the whole movie, he's so cold hearted, and in the Andor TV show, he's not like that. You know, he's really like. I mean, we talked about he, he's like he's sort of just down on his luck, but he's like a really nice guy. He's pretty warm hearted. He's always trying to like, you know, if I'm if I'm borrowing something, always leave it back in the better condition. Like in. He seems so wholesome because the whole series, he's like, I'm going to get this money so I can get Marva into a better place. But in Rogue One, he's super cold hearted. And I think that has to be obviously partly because, you know, he's just doing these horrible things. But I think it's partially also because he's going to be working a lot more closely with Luthen mm -hmm. because throughout the whole the whole series, you know, Luthen's just like. Nah, you know, whatever. He's very, like, almost Machiavellian. It mm -hmm. is, like, the ends justify the means. He's like, yeah, I'll sacrifice Anton Krieger. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. The rebellion has to survive. Uh, on that, I mean, and that's the, I think that's where I get the Breaking Bad vibes, too. Yeah. You know, spoiler alert for Breaking Bad. It's it's a guy who is in a bad, bad situation, and he, you know, cooks his meth to make money for his <laughs> medical bills, right? Yeah. It's the same kind of thing where he's just... He's he's this guy and he's just getting things getting caught up in things for the wrong reason. Now, one thing I will say about Lutheran, I think it's cool when he's talking to Saw and Saw kept saying, yeah, it's 40 some men or whatever. And he says, and Krieger, you know, yeah. and it's like two or three times that he says, so, you know, that Luthen is he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's sacrificing. Yeah. And he's pointing it out and that the line delivery is perfect on that or in the writing, of course, is great on that. But when they when every time Saw is just trying to say it's certain, you know, it's these men and he's like and Krieger, you know, he's putting the name to it, which is different than. Yeah. You know, I mean, he knows what he's doing, which is great. You know, like I say, it's, it's just an excellent way of doing things. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was such a uh, an interest, like a, such a subtle way of them to enforce the fact that he's like. The ends definitely justify the means. Yeah. I will sacrifice anybody as long as it means the empire falls. And I, and, think and I know what I'm sacrificing. Yeah, yeah I, I know the cost and I'm still going to do it. Yeah, you know? he's so aware. And I, yeah, that scene where he's like talking to Saw and he's like, yeah, I'm cool giving up Krieger, but you, you're a wild card that I like to have. I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. guy's and he's you a can, strategist for sure. That and you, you can uh, hurt me. Yeah. Right? He says, Krieger doesn't know me. You know me. You yeah, know, yeah. and stuff. And that, I think that's why at the end they're going after they're they're going there to he's got um Vel and um Sinta. Sinta there to kill um Andor. Andor, and then he's showing up to kill him, right? And that's again, because you know me. I gotta I gotta cut ties and I've gotta make sure that I'm safe. And like you say, it's for the better good that nobody can turn me in so that I can keep doing what I'm doing because obviously what I'm doing is right. Yeah, and, stuff. and it, it's super cool to me that, like, obviously, if they hadn't done that, the Rebellion wouldn't have gotten as far as it did. Yeah. But then the second season, I think, obviously, has there has to be that switch where they realize they need to consolidate. And I think that's going to be a cool... If Luthen doesn't come back, when we so mad. <laughs> but if <laughs> they... they uh, I think there's going to be a really cool... If I had to just guess, I think it's going to be a conversation between him and Mon Mothma where they're arguing about whether or not she's going to just announce that she's leaving. And that's when she's like, nah, dude, we need to consolidate now because <laughs> we're, it's starting to get like, this is the end game. 
And I think that's that's going to be a cool story. I don't think we have to worry about Luthen coming. Skarsgård's got to be having so much fun. He gets to be a, this cool calculating guy. He gets to be a guy who wears a funny wig. He gets to fly that ship that has lightsabers on the side. Yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> oh, no, that was awesome. I didn't like I got to think, you know, if so, if Han Solo saw that, he's like, man, my ship don't do that. You know? <laughs> I like that his ship, like his ship nav computer thing was really like was so advanced that he could just be like, you know, cal- I want to get here. And mm-hmm. the droid would be like, there's four options. And you'd be like, well, take the long way around. One part about that 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 is kind of cool, a little reference, when he's flying away from that one ship and he does the, you know, I thought the part where he's dumping the stuff out and blowing up the uh, uh, dish was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, the way they did that. It seemed a little more, and I, you know, I've recently watched The Expanse and stuff and it seemed more, it's not lasers. Yeah. He's shooting projectiles that actually do stuff, you know, and stuff. It seemed more like a real sci-fi thing right yeah but anyways the ship that shows up and is after him with the big dishes on the side that is an original design um by ralph mccrory that they never used in the original star wars really? but they brought it in for this so it's kind of a cool nod that they did that that they brought in this old uh this old design that nobody ever implemented but they were able to use it here which is cool because it's right before um, a new hope, which is what he was doing all the designs for, you know. And yeah, stuff. that's. So I so thought that cool. was kind of cool, but what? Yeah, that's such a cool connection. Yeah, there's some. Oh, speaking of lightsabers, I saw this thing the other day. Uh, this is only not really related at all, <laughs> other than the fact that it's Star Wars. I saw this thing the other day that a lot of people are trying to say that the Death Star is a lightsaber because it uses kyber crystals, and I would like to just definitively say that it can't be a lightsaber because lightsabers are forged through a very specific process that requires the force. And we saw that in the Clone Wars TV show. Duh. (laughs) So the Death Star is not a lightsaber. Well, and lightsabers don't shoot. (laughs) Unless it's Ezra's. I hated that lightsaber. He had a blaster attached to a lightsaber. That's a whole (laughs) different thing. That wasn't a lightsaber shooting. You just happen to have a blaster attached to light. <laughs> I, got, I hated that lightsaber. It was so stupid to me. Well, maybe we'll get it in live action. His his green lightsaber, though, which if we do get him in the Ahsoka show, would be the one that he would have. Well, I think he's been casted, right? Or maybe that's yeah, spoiler. He, other. Well, okay. he has, but I don't know if they... It, it, could, it could just be you, you never know. It could just be, yeah. Yeah, but they also definitely casted Sabine Wren. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'm so excited. Which, speaking of... I think she's going to be in Mando season three too. I don't. Well, I would I, assume that she's got to. I think it's it's the obvious choice for like to continue the Mandalorian. Well, and haven't line. they have they've shown um, they've had teasers for season three that it that include uh, uh, Bo Katan, right? Mm-hmm. I think they've got to do that. I think they've yeah. got to bring that all in, especially with what we got from Boba Fett, which. I got mixed feelings on why, <laughs> on why that was put in Boba Fett, but yeah, that's beside the point, I guess. So. I'm so excited for that. But yeah. um, I think season two, uh, like I, like you say, the only thing I'm nervous I'm nervous about um, whether we get any more information on the the whole sister thing. Mm-hmm. I assume that's got to come back. If not, then I think that I don't think that's a good thing. I think that's a failure. If, if we don't get that back, now that doesn't ruin the show for me. Yeah. I'm just saying, if I'm nitpicking, that plot line needs to come back or else it wasn't quite useful. Yeah, it needs to be resolved some way. Which, you know, I mean, I guess there's also a little bit of logic to saying in real in the real world, sometimes you have to drop one thing to for the better good, maybe, again. But I think that they got to say that. You know, he's got to, yeah. you know, it, it's the... There's a scene that uh, Vel is talking to the assistant lady and says, "What have you given up?" And that assistant lady goes off. You know, I yeah, I given up everything. I'm juggling all this stuff. You know, and that kind of thing. I mean, I could I could see a scene where somebody's asking Andor what he's given up. He says, "Well, I haven't found my sister," you know, or something like that. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. That maybe just that maybe even that's enough to tie it together. Yeah, right? just a little something to put a little like bow on it for the show. The only other thing I'm worrying about is that season two doesn't have an arc for Andor, right? For mm-hmm. Cassian, because we've, we've got an arc the first season. And like we talked about rogue one is him still being this guy. So I don't know if it's a breaking bad arc of Cassian, just getting steadily worse and worse and hard to the end to where 
that's why when we get to Rogue One, he actually he doesn't shoot her dad because he that's when he has his his redemption, right? Um, spoiler, alert. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm curious about that. So. Yeah, to me, I think that's the only way that I'll be like super happy about it. Like, obviously, they can go another way and I'll still be like, yeah, the show's great. Oh, yeah. But the only way that I think I'll be like this makes perfect sense to me. The through line, it works for the whole thing is if it's in the beginning, he's sort of hesitant and then he gets harder and harder as the show goes on. I think my ideal layout for the second season, it's, it's 12 episodes too. Uh, yeah, 24. Okay. So second season is, is supposed to be another 12 episodes. If they do the same structure, which I would imagine they did since everybody loves the first season (laughs) is one story arc is, something about his sister then another story arc is is uh the mon mothma luthan thing i think a third one i i really do (laughs) i could see them not doing this and like maybe skipping forward i guess it it really depends on how directly it leads into rogue one because if it leads directly into rogue one then this third story arc i want doesn't make any sense (laughs) but i want it to be i want to see more mon mothma yeah i want to see more of her actually doing stuff and i do want to see her eventually leave the empire because i think that's we only got like the one speech in rebels and obviously you know they hinted at it in this first season with the the gorman stuff um but i yeah i want to see that get really fleshed out because she's a character who is so we didn't really get to see her in a a lot (laughs) but she's obviously so intertwined in everything yeah, and you know, there's a reason that she is a leader of the whole Rebel Alliance in Rogue One and A New Hope because, you know, she is this right. She she earned that leadership role, so obviously she's got to do something to, mm-hmm. to get that role. I read that she was actually the chancellor of the um, their little government. I don't know if she was still the chancellor when it reformed as the New Republic. But while it was the Rebel Alliance, she was elected chancellor. <laughs> there probably weren't many options, to be honest. Well, but... Whatever works, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think... Oh, oh, I know what I was going to say. The one arc we definitely need to find out is, is B2 Emu Emo going to become KSO? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good question. I mean, he's got kind of the voice. It's not uh, Alan, Alan Tudyk, yeah. but it, it does kind of have that... And then, of course, we saw when he was arrested on the uh, um, the vacation the planet. vacation planet. It was the Imperial droid that is K two S O. So yeah, I know when I was listening to the podcast, they're like, "Oh, is that one K two S O?" Well, of course, you know, <laughs> yeah. nothing happened. But man, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of hope they don't mention K two in the second season. I think they've got to though. If they're going right up to Rogue One, he's obviously got a connection with K two S. Yeah, that's not just oh, here's a droid. They're homies. Yeah, <laughs> there's something there. They've been through some stuff yeah. together. There, there's a there's an R two D two connection there. <laughs> yeah, my worry is just in the way that they handle it. It could come off as like that sort of hokey, like oh, we gotta add this in because it was in Rogue One. Yeah, if they don't if they don't handle his introduction right, but. That's obviously the same with anything, with any aspect they're going to add in the second season if it leads directly into the movie. I did think it was funny that the droid's name was uh, B2EMO, Emo, and he was just sad the whole show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought it was cool that they sort of like made it so he's like really run down. Like that's not something that you often see from droids in Star Wars. Yeah, and he definitely, I thought it was interesting. I mean, he is more, he's like if your dog or cat could talk. Because she, you know, she's gone. She passed. And that guy has to spend the night at the <laughs> yeah. at the place uh, just because he's that upset about it, you know, and stuff. I mean, it's definitely, they definitely took that side of things even further than we've seen. Now, granted, we had the one in um, Solo where there was definitely something going on with uh, what's his name in the, in the robot. But, yeah, uh, Lando. Yeah, Lando. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, this was a different kind. I mean, it was definitely a, you know, yeah, like a dog or cat kind of relationship. Yeah, there. that's it. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good point. They they made it, like, they went so far in the fact that it was, like, a companion droid. Whereas, yeah. like, all the other droids that we normally see, like, they serve a purpose, you know. Well, and it wasn't deals. even uh, Marva. I mean, it was that dude that we met, you know, just, and even he knew 
like I said, he ended up stay, staying that <laughs> night. One more night, he said, I'll give you know, or whatever. Yeah. And he stayed there with him, you know. So even then, there's other people outside the family that are treating this droid that way. I thought yeah. it was kind of interesting. So. Yeah. Did you notice that in that scene where he's like, yeah, I'll stay another night? He's lit- like, B2 is literally just sat looking at Marva's chair. Yeah. Like a dog when they're oh, all I guys. I didn't notice that, he's- but that's... Yeah, if you're if you're the chair and I'm B two, he's literally just sat there and he's not saying anything. Everything's going on around him, and he like barely turns away. He's just I looking at the chair. I mean, obviously, it, it, it's pretty obvious, but it was funny when you know he's I'm charging, and he's like, "Well, you've been there all day." And, and as soon as he says, "I'll stay," that's when he rolls off the charger and he comes out. You know, so, I yeah. mean, obviously, they knew what they're doing, but yeah, it was yeah, it was so good. I yeah, I, there's I can't say enough good things about the show. I know. I'm yeah. I don't know where we go from here, but <laughs> yeah, and that probably about that's that's it though. We've we've uh, gassed it up. You should definitely watch it, everybody. Yeah. I, and not only if you're a Star Wars fan, I think that it's like I say, it's definitely not just a Star Wars. I mean, it obviously is because, like you said, I mean, you spent half of our conversation here talking about all the references to other Star Wars stuff. But the fact is, it's it's a Breaking Bad. It's a it's a prestige that is explaining how something like this could happen. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, in, I'm, not, I'm not up on history, but I think of, you know, the, the visualizations. We've got a Tiananmen Square or something like that. You for know, sure. And, you got to think that this is just a, a, a fictional version of that kind of thing. So. Yeah, it's like, it, it, appeal, it could appeal to other people because despite the fact that it's set in Star Wars, it's not... Star Wars, like they're, they're not, it has none of like the real telltale. The only, aspects the of the only other Star stuff. Wars we get is some weird looking aliens, and he does have a cool spaceship fight. He's got a cool ship, yeah. But yeah, so there we go. Um, that's that's the end. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe. <laughs> uh, follow the Instagram. That's where all the important stuff is, and there's a link in the bio to all the other cool things we stream sometimes. So any information about that will be on the story. So the Instagram is is really the most important thing. And with that, I suppose we will see you next week.